dealing with, with me about all day, I need to share with you tonight. And um, first of all, I want to look at Hebrews 10 and verse number 4. But before we do that, let me pray for you right quick. Father, we love you. I'm so thankful tonight, Lord, for your mercy and grace. I'm thankful that you have done for us what we could never do for ourselves. I'm thankful this evening that, Lord, you have done the work that needs to be done for each and every one of us to know you personally, for our sins to be taken away. Lord, I'm thankful this evening that we can be made fit for heaven, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And I'm asking you now in Jesus' name to go with us through this service. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would have your way and will on everything that's done. Lord, I'm asking you would speak to me and speak through me um, in this time of study. And then, Lord, would you help us all to have wisdom to know what to do and when to do it and be good stewards of what you've given us in our business meeting. Lord, we want to honor you in all we do. Help us to do that, Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name and for your sake, amen. Three things I want to share with you tonight, and all of them start with F. That way maybe we can all remember them. First of all, I want to talk to you about the foreshadowing of Jesus. Then we'll see the finished work of Jesus. And see, then we'll see the finality of the work of Jesus. So Hebrews 10 and 4 talks about the foreshadowing of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And it says, says there, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats that they should take away sin. How many of you know that all the way from the Old Testament to the New under the old covenant, um, it was necessary for bulls and goats to be slaughtered, to be sacrificed. Year after year on the day of Yom Kippur, they would be sacrificed and the blood would then be taken into the Holy of Holies, into the holy place where God dwelled in the temple. And there the blood would be applied to the altar. And what would happen, the, the scripture says, the sins of the nation of Israel would be rolled forward year after year after year after year. And so uh, why was that done? Because the Bible just told us in Hebrews 10 and verse number 4, what we just read, that it was never possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. The old covenant was not sufficient for the sin problem to be completely taken care of. So why did, the, why did God do it this way? Well, I believe it was a foreshadowing of the coming Christ. How many times have you heard me say, and I, and I hope that um, hope you've heard me say this, the story of Jesus and the picture of Jesus is not just found on the pages of the New Testament, but on every page of the Old Testament. And I mean, the whole story is about him. And so what we see in the Old Testament scriptures is different um, characters in the story, but really it's the same message. It's the gospel message that's being preached over and over and over again. We certainly see it with Moses and what happened when the nation of Israel was in slavery in Egypt and by the blood of the Lamb and the power of God, the nation itself was set free. And so that shows us a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ in the life of Joseph. We see the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ in the life of David. We see the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ 
in the life of Daniel, we see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. And folks, all that's doing is foreshadowing the coming Messiah, the coming Savior. How many of you know from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament to Malachi, it's, it's foreshadowing to Jesus. It's pointing to the coming Messiah, the coming Savior. And then everything from Matthew to Revelation is about the finished work of Jesus and what he has done and is doing in his people as he builds the, uh, the, uh, the church upon the earth so that we might honor and glorify him and spread his message uh, from every, to every nation and tongue. And then we see in the book of Revelation how that all of eternity is going to be about Jesus. So how many of you know it's all about Jesus? So when I tell you on Sunday morning, when we come in here, that we need to make it all about Jesus, that's exactly what we need to do because all of our existence, everything that happens uh, or has happened in this world is leading to the point when Jesus will reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so what I want to do is make it all about Jesus now. Can you see me? I want to make it all about Jesus in my home. I want to make it all about Jesus in my church. I want to make it all about Jesus in my ministry. Listen, any way that I can share and show the love of Christ, folks, that's what I want to do because I know that's what matters. That's what means something. That's what will echo throughout uh, eternity itself. What we do to honor and glorify Him. Can you say amen to that? It's all about Him. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And our main focus has to be on the Lord Jesus Christ and all we do. Whether it be at home or at church or at work or wherever we're at. It's all about Him. The Bible foreshadows the time when the true Lamb of God would come and take away the sin of the world. The Bible says in John chapter number um, 1 and verse number 29 that John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, spoke to his disciples and he said, Behold or look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. See, all of those sacrifices in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant was just rolling sin forward year after year after year after year. But I, I love what Dr. J. Vernon McGee always said. He said what was rolled forward in the Old Testament was rolled up because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, he takes away the sin of the world. If you believe it tonight, say amen. Now, why is that necessary? The necessity of the taking away of sin. The truth is, we are all sinners, came here sinners, and because of that fact, listen to me now, we were born separated from God in our sin. Each and every one of us. Born spiritually dead. So why was it necessary that our sin be taken away? Three reasons. First of all, the taking away of sin reconciles us to God. That which was separated can be brought nigh by the blood of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. I want to give you a verse tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And we're going to look at verses 17 and 18. Most of you remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17. For therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. But look at verse 18. I really love this verse. And all things are of God who hath, watch this now, reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
It was because of the finished work of Jesus that we who were separated from God who is holy by our sin are reconciled back to him. That's why the taking away of sin is necessary so that we can be made right with God. Number two, why else is the taking away of sin necessary? It's to set us free of the bondage sin brings. John chapter number eight, verse number 34. Watch what the scripture says here. John eight Verse number 34, it says, Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin or the slave of sin. And folks, I'm here to tell you tonight, there was a time in my life when all I could do was be a sinner. Amen? I was in bondage to my sin. I was in bondage to my sinful attitudes, to the hatred that was in my heart, to the prejudice that I had towards certain people. I was in bondage to it. I was in bondage to habits and addictions that had a stronghold and a stranglehold on my life. All I could do was do what a sinner does. And I thought I was so free and I had life by the tail and, and listen, I could do what I want, when I wanted, how I wanted, but I came to find out that I was in complete and total bondage to my sinful lifestyle. The alcoholic is not free to do what he chooses He's free to do what the bottle wants. That's all he's free to do. The drug addict is not free to live his life or her life how she pleases or he pleases, but they live their life trying their best to feed the need of addiction. I'm trying to tell you tonight, the world does not know what true freedom is it's only through Christ we can truly be set free. John 8, 32, watch this. Whom the Son sets free, watch this now, is free indeed. Why is it necessary that our sins be taken away? Number one, so that we might be reconciled to God. Number two, so that we might be set free of the bondage of sin in our life. Not only does Jesus get me ready for heaven, but he gets me ready for life on earth. Why? Because he sets me free from the bondage of sin, and I'm so very thankful for that this evening. I will tell you something. You may be struggling with certain sins in your life, but I'm telling you this. The same Jesus who has saved you can help you overcome whatever struggle you face. Whatever it might be. Thoughts, feelings, addiction, whatever. The power of God is sufficient for you. I'm telling you, I've experienced it in my own life. It's necessary that our sins be taken away also so that we might be made fit for heaven. I don't want to be made fit for this world and please God where I am, but I'm so thankful in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 through 6. Brothers, put that on the screen for me. Look what it says. Ephesians 2, 2 through 6. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He says then, among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in the past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. That means before I met Jesus, before he, he reached down and, and saved me, uh, forgave me of my sin and made me right with himself, 
Before that happened, I was under the wrath of God. Now listen up. I want everybody to hear me to hear this tonight. If you're here this evening and you've not yet trusted in Jesus, do you realize you are under God's wrath? You are God's enemy. You are in direct rebellion with the holy, sovereign, righteous God of heaven. The God who spoke and creation happened. I want to tell you something. If there's somebody that I want on my side, it's the God who spoke in the dark and light appeared. If there's one person I want on my side, it's the God who spoke and seas split and dead people raised up. If there's one uh, person that I want on my side, it's the God we read about on the pages of Scripture. If you have not yet trusted in Jesus, the Bible says you are under his wrath. That's where I was. But now watch this. Verse 4. I love this verse. But God, who is rich in mercy, Dr. Tony Evans is one of my absolute favorite preachers of all time. He says something about the but God verses that I love. He said, when you see the phrase but God, you can erase what, what was said previously to that. So what was said previously? Well, it, it, the Bible just told us that we were under the wrath of God. The Bible just told us that we're, we were living uh, according to the spirit of disobedience. The Bible just told us that we were, uh, uh, listen, enemies of God completely and totally. But God, watch, who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us, watch. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Means he's made us alive with Jesus. Folks, we were hopeless and helpless and dead in trespasses and sins apart from Christ. But God, who's rich in mercy and grace, did for us what we couldn't do. That's what that's talking about. Praise the Lord. Now watch verse 6. I love this. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you realize now I'm fit for heaven, not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me? Do you realize my salvation is so complete, God already sees me as being seated in heavenly places? Watch, that's what it's talking about. And has made us to see it. It don't say we will see it. It says he's made us to see it. It's in the present tense. So what Paul is saying is your salvation as far as God is concerned is so complete in Jesus he already sees you as being seated in heavenly places. That's what it means to be in Christ. Praise the Lord. The work is finished. He's truly the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I want you to see the foreshadowing of the work of Christ, but I also want you to see the finished work of Christ. Watch what it says in verse 10. The Bible says, Hebrews 10, verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. What's it mean to be sanctified? Somebody give me a good definition of sanctification. Be made Well, that's justification, but yeah. Uh, sanctification, and, and that goes right along with it. But, but sanctification... It's to be cleaned up and set apart for the purpose of God. If you remember, 
and we'll go back to a little bit more of a foreshadowing. If you remember back in the Old Testament, when the priests, the Levites, would, would uh, begin their ceremonial cleansing in the tabernacle, they would cleanse all of the vessels that would be used on the Day of Atonement. They had to be washed and made clean. And when they were washed and made clean, they were said to be sanctified. They were cleaned up, and then they were set apart for the purpose of God. They were set apart for the work of the priest. Can you say amen? And that's exactly what Christ has done initially at salvation and continually does in the life of every believer. He's continually cleaning me up and setting me apart for his purpose. Because he took away my sin, he made me fit for heaven. But because he sanctifies me and you, he makes us fit for service. Now, because we've been cleaned up, God can use us in his kingdom to do his work. And I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. There's nothing, absolutely nothing like being used of the Lord. Pray for God to use you. Look for opportunities for God to use you. Get plugged into your local church and let God use you. I'm telling you, you'll never regret it. There's joy in serving for the Lord Jesus Christ and serving his church. Sanctification makes it possible for God to work on me, in me, and then ultimately through me. We're sanctified by the finished work of Jesus. I love it. But then it says, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Watch what it says right there. Everybody see it? Once for all. Do you remember the final words of Jesus on the cross? When Jesus hung before God and man, the Bible said just before he gave up the ghost or released his spirit. Now I just love that verse. There's a whole sermon on that verse. Do you know no man took the life of Christ? No man can take his life. Why? He's the creator of life. No man can take his life. He's the sovereign God of the universe in human flesh. No man can take his life. He freely, willingly gave up his life for you and me. He gave up the ghost. But just before he did, the Bible says, he cried out, it is finished. Now what did he mean by that? Did he mean that he was finished? Of course not. In three days, what happened? We just sang about it. In three days, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. Did he mean that his plan was finished? Of course not, because we're his plan. The church, the people of God. What he meant was the redemption, the redemptive plan for all mankind was finished there at the cross. He paid the ultimate price for my sin and for your sin. Praise God, you need to understand this evening and we need to be shouting it from the rooftops. The price has been paid. We sing the song, the old hymn song, Jesus paid it all because he did. He's done everything necessary for our sins to be forgiven. He did it once as the perfect, precious, holy Lamb of God and He never has to do it again. One sacrifice was enough. Praise the Lord. It's a finished work. 
And I also want you to see the finality. Listen to me now. Of the finished work of Jesus. Look down at verse number 12. Watch what this says. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. When I was about, I don't know, seven, eight years old, I got my first taste of really working. My dad woke me up on a Saturday morning, and he said, uh, get up, son. You're going with me this morning, about 5.30 in the morning. I thought, man, what in the world? You know how kids are. We all wanted to, and at that time, and still sometimes, I like sleeping late on a Saturday morning, but um, I sure did then. My plans was to get up and eat a bowl of cornflakes and watch some Smurfs, but Dad had different plans. And so he got me up early. We took off uh, out to my grandfather's house. When we got out there, my grandfather was clearing land. And he was using parasols and axes and everything you use to clear land. And then I was the one that had to drag the brush. So when they would cut the trees, I'd drag the limbs. And I drug and drug and drug and drug and drug and drug, it seemed like, all day long. And every time I'd try to sit down, Daddy would say, No, we're still working, son. You don't sit down while the work is being done. And I'd drag some more. And I'd drag some more. And I'd try to sit down. I'd try to quit and find something else to do. No, you don't sit down. This ain't playtime, it's work time. You don't sit down until the work is done. So I'd drag and drag and drag some more. And finally, at about dinner time, I guess it was, my grandmother came out with some lunch that she had fixed for us. And after Dad had finally decided the work was finished, we sat down and ate dinner together. Let me tell you something. Just like my father would never let me sit down till the work is finished, God the Father let his son sit down when the work was completely finished, when it was final. It says that when Jesus did the work that only he could do, his finished work. When he completed the plan of redemption, listen to me, folks. He sat down on the right hand of his father. He sat down at the right hand of God. And that's where he's still seated today. Watch at verse number 13. Look at this. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Do you get tired of injustice in the world? Me too. Does it get next to you that men call right wrong and wrong right? Does it bother you that those who are in power are merciless? Does it bother you what you see happening in the world around you? Me too. I am so very thankful that one day What's wrong in this world will be made right by King Jesus. That day's coming. And if you're a believer tonight, you've got a part in that, a big part. It's a final work, a work that will echo throughout all eternity. The scripture says that we're already seated with him. God already sees it that way. But one day it's going to be a reality with us. Amen? Now we see through a glass darkly, the Bible says, but then we'll see him face to face. And I can't wait for that day. Now, 
that's tonight. What we're going to talk about Sunday. I've been reading up on the universal church because that is a huge movement right now. You say, brother, what's the universal church? The universal church believes, and part of what they say is correct. Do you know it's always easy to spot the outright lie? What sometimes is very hard to spot is when they tell a lot of truth and this is a little lie. But that little lie can be a huge thing. And so what the universal church believes is this. They believe that since the sin debt for all mankind was paid for at the cross, since Jesus paid it all once and for all, that means every one of us will go to heaven. Regardless if you choose to trust in Christ or not. And then it stems from that to, you know, uh, listen, we all worship the same God. We just call him different things. All of that's wound up together. I do not believe in the universal fatherhood of God, and the Bible does not teach the universal fatherhood of God. You need to understand that. Sunday morning, we're going to talk about how all that works, why that's true, why God has a people, and that people is his or are his because of their faith in Jesus. How all that works. So I want to encourage you, bring somebody back with you. If you know somebody that needs Jesus this week, I don't, know, I don't care who it is, friends, family members, bring them back with you Sunday morning because we're going to talk about how we can know we've been born again into God's family and that he is our father. That's Sunday morning. Pray for those services, will you? Let's get right into our business meeting. Do I have a motion that we enter into business meeting? 